0: And welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio The official podcast of OutlawGamers.com This is the show where we live to play And play to live I'm Brent Adams Joined by a man Whose name will not be mentioned, even though he's the sole reason anyone shows up week after week. And I want to assure you that he's going to remain involved with this show right up until the moment he isn't. And then we'll pretend we never even knew his name was Mr. Lauren Bobgarden. Lauren.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it- <laughs> 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 I like that one because it made me think. It took me... I know what the show notes are. Ugh. We were just talking about this, and I still was sitting there thinking, what the hell is he talking about? It, it
0: finally sneaks up on you there towards the end.
1: It, it does, and I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, we're going to talk about... Uh what you're alluding to in the clubhouse right. section. but uh, If it
0: makes you feel any better, you're not the most famous or most talented person this phenomenon has happened to in recent memories. Uh, so that's a true story. I'm excited to company. talk about it.
1: But uh, greetings, my friend. Welcome to episode 11 yeah, my
0: of Outlaw Gamer Radio. Oh, yeah. The big one, one. That's actually not all that huge it's a really milestone. Not that, it's not that but, big. But you know, I figure every day above ground is worthwhile, and that means every episode under our belt Falls into that same category, unless you're one of the poor masses who actually listens to this show, in which case <laughs> I, do, I do apologize. Uh, but anyway, I'm excited, Brent. I'm excited to talk this week. I,
1: I surprised you last week with yes. what I was playing, and uh, I,
0: I, I am wondering if you are surprised this week by what I am playing. I am. I, I am a bit surprised. I but, thought you um, would be. I thought you, you would know, be. That's uh we got a we got a whole show to do between now and then. So, why don't we go ahead and get started? Oh, you want to talk about games. Okay. That's right. Let's uh, let's kick things off. We're going to head into the garage. Get to some of the nuts and bolts of the gaming Ooh, news like and trailers of the reference. week. I'm going to be honest with you, maybe not the smoothest segue that's ever been. If Daniel Kaiser were here, well, he was- would probably school me on this. He could probably come up with something better. But anyway, the point is this. God of War 3 Remastered coming to PlayStation 4 on July 14th. There's a uh, a very nice retrospective article over on the official U.S. PlayStation blog written by your friend and mine, Corey Barlog, who, of course, uh, was the creative director on My Favorite Game. In the series, which was God of War two, he was the uh, art director on the first game and worked as creative director for, I don't know, eight months or so of God of War three. So it's not like he doesn't have a toe in that water uh, prior to leaving Sony Santa Monica to go off and, uh, and do other things. He's actually back at Sony Santa Monica these days as creative director of the studio overall, and I'm sure working on various uh, cool things over there. But anyway, the point is this god of war 3 remastered for the playstation 4 gonna be out july 14th i said all this before but the real question here is too little too late lauren does anyone care at this point is it 2015 and remasters or last year's news is god of war 3 the correct game in this franchise to remaster and re-release on the playstation 4 what say you well, actually, I, I want to know what you think first. Because I wish we had like four people on this so I could go McLaughlin group on it. I could like stare at one person and be talking to them and then ask another person who I'm not even looking at a question. That would be <laughs> so rad, dude. Um, you are the you are the
1: you're a bigger fan of the series than I am. Obviously. Uh, but as, as and so I'm curious to know if this if this seems valuable to you. No. In a word, no, no, why not i 'm just curious, like why
0: if, if being such a big fan of this series and and you liked God of War Three, did you not? It was okay i mean it 's not my favorite game in the series though I mean no. I, w- God II, God I God of War Two, God of War One, God of War Three is how they rank for me personally. I would have been in similar manner to you as we talk about Uncharted Four. And almost every time we talk about Uncharted 4, you talk about, you know what I'd really like to have is an Uncharted 1 through 3 remastered on the PlayStation 4. And have to
1: redo half of Uncharted 3, but that's
0: neither here nor there. Yes, well, but but tweak, <laughs> you, you know, all the things that were fixed in Uncharted 2, go back and fix those in Uncharted 1. You, br- bring, in those, bring in those multiple enemy types so that... You don't have that. Uh, oh my God! You don't have that. that, that You're know, you know, just that emptying multiple just... magazines of, of of ammo into a guy wearing a wife beat, You know. But anyway, my point is this: uh, if they had announced that they were going back and redoing the first two games, or even one through three, in this big, massive HD remake for right. the PlayStation 4 that was coming out this summer, I would be tossing my cookies. I mean, I would be losing my mind with excitement over that. But I have to say that since God of War 3 is not my favorite game from the series, yeah. um, I played it the one time, and I really have never cared to go back and, and revisit it, uh, as opposed to the other two games, which I have played through multiple times over the years. I just can't find it within myself to get that excited about it.
1: Fair enough. I mean, I guess, I, you know, I suppose that's the equivalent of if they were if they were remastering and re-releasing just Uncharted 3. Exactly. I honestly, I, I wouldn't care. It's it's by far yeah. my least favorite of, of the three games. Uh-huh. And, and, my, and Uncharted goes the same way for me. It's Uncharted 2. 2, 1, and Uncharted 3. Uncharted 1, 3. And yeah. that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And so if it was just Uncharted 3, I would have no interest really at all in spending the money for it. But however, if they do, uh, and, and again, I wasn't even thinking about what you're describing where they're like kind of beefing up the AI. I was just thinking, like, go back and pretty up the textures a little bit. Right. Um, I would absolutely buy the set, and I agree, I would be as excited. Now, I think I think there's a good chance that we may see that still with Uncharted, uh, yes, especially with, Uncharted. with the game having been pushed back.
0: Um, God of War... I, I remain I, I, the fact that they're doing this, right? I think is I, I, I think don't is, think it's makes it
1: doubtful that they would yeah. do the whole collection. I agree. So, well, there you go. So I was curious. I mean, I put this on here for you because I really thought this was something you'd be, you might be excited about. But my guess is, I wish I was. My guess is you're going to be very
0: excited about. The next item. <laughs> you, me, and a whole lot of other people, which, of course, is the news that Star Wars Battlefront, the new Star Wars Battlefront, as developed by EA Dice, which we got teased uh, at E3. What was that? Uh, how, I can't remember how many years ago it that was now. must have been two years ago at this point. Two years ago at E3. Uh, and, now, and now it's right around the corner. We're going to get our first peek at Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, which is going to be part of the Star Wars celebration taking place in April, uh, which is right around the corner, April 16th through the 19th. I mean, it's like three weeks away. So That's right. uh, The point is that I imagine we're going to be getting some details, some, some gameplay videos, some firsthand impressions very, very soon uh, at whatever it is that EA DICE has been cooking up in the way of Star Wars Battlefront. I... Am officially losing my mind over this one. I am very, very excited about this. I'm a huge fan of Star Wars Battlefront. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal experience back in the PlayStation 2 era. I had no shortage of enjoyment playing that game on the couch, co-op with my friends. And frankly, I think that I don't I'm not expecting this new game to be. I'm not expecting it to, to you know, to be like exactly what the old game was. I think that it's going to be. I think it's going to be a lot closer to, say, a Battlefield game than the old Battlefront games, but I don't have a problem with that. I actually find that to be a pretty exciting prospect, provided that it actually works and that they they don't have some of the the infamous launch trouble that has seemed to plague the Battlefield franchise a couple of times now.
1: Although apparently, uh, as a matter of fact, I almost put this on here as a story, Brent, because... To me, it's such a big deal. Apparently, Hardline uh, had had a stellar launch day with the exception of a... I think there was a DDoS attack on uh, well, the Xbox version, but there's nothing they could do about that. But other than that, I think yeah. they had a really smooth launch this time. Is that partly because nobody gives a fuck about that game
0: and they're it not could. playing it? <laughs> it could be because they only sold 50,000 copies. I'm, I'm the sure. only person, apparently, who thinks that Hardline looks cool. But, uh, but that's great news. And and in, in all sincerity... Uh, congratulations to EA for for pulling that off uh, with those ridiculously small numbers. But my point is, <laughs> yes, uh, so, great for uh, you, and I hope that you can repeat that success with Battlefront, which I imagine you're going to sell a few more copies of. This is uh,
1: this is rapidly climbing my list of most anticipated games of the year with Uncharted. Being yeah. pushed back into uh, 2016 with uh, Batman being delayed again. And I, got, I have to assume it won't come out till 2016 at this point. Um,
0: <laughs> uh, they pu- they're saying they're only pushing it back two weeks, but we all know the truth. This game ain't coming out till next. that's right. No, uh,
1: this Battlefront.
0: <laughs> I, I am very
1: very excited to see uh, yeah, to see too. to see gameplay. What I'm what I'm hoping and what I'm assuming is going to be gameplay uh, in just a few weeks. It's very very exciting. If
0: they if this game is basically just if this basic, if this game feels like basically just a skin on top of Battlefield Three, Battlefield Four multiplayer, if you've got these enormous arenas that you're playing in, where you're on foot, you're you're using vehicles and things like that, will that to you, will that satisfy everything that you want this game to be? I, I, I mean, I, I, I think it would. I, it depends. It depends if
1: they, I mean, if they implement everything around it. To to uh, if they, if they implement everything around it in a very believable Star Wars first three movie Star Wars universe way, yeah, um, I think that would would uh, I think that would make for a very very enjoyable game. It doesn't mean that's all I want, uh, or, or and and I'm hoping that they that they do more than just skin well, battlefield.
0: Re- really good squad based, really good squad based mechanics. Also is something that I. I want pretty hardcore. Yeah, I mean, I think that or or class class based mechanics. You know, like I I really want a game that encourages uh, teamwork by by virtue of how how their class system is is set up.
1: Yeah, so I I agree with you, and I think that would be fantastic. And and I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm not really sure what to expect, to be honest with you, Brent. I'm not I'm not really sure if they're going to simply skin Battlefield, which uh, I mean, frankly, if you had pitched me the idea of (sighs) Hardline. you know, before I ever saw anything of it and said, Battlefield, but cops and robbers, I would have thought to myself, wow, that sounds pretty goddamn cool. I love Battlefield. And then, but mm-hmm. the reality is when I saw it, I, I watched it and I went, this is just Battlefield skinned with cops and robbers. And it made it un- uninteresting to me. Right. Um, so I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure what to expect. I, I'm, I'm sort of being cautiously optimistic and I'm uh, I'm just waiting to see what we get in three weeks.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that as well. I'm curious to see if if any of... I I'm, I'm curious to see if they end up having any kind of um any kind of like heroes class something I guess like maybe like a juggernaut uh kind of uh, mechanic that would let you play as, say, Han Solo or Darth Vader or something like that. Um did you, you know, gonna let you play as a Wookiee Uh I, well I mean they did in the they did in the other game, so I, I would know. assume so. Yeah. Did you play the did you play either of the uh the, the old Battlefront games on cons? Uh, on console, not on console. I I played on PC
1: long after. I think it was Battlefront Two that yeah. I played, uh, and I played it long after uh, the game was released, like a few years. Right. I mean, no, it was for me. It was it was a, a single player experience basically, um, right? Because nobody really playing at that point. And I, I absolutely loved it.
0: Yeah, I really, really dug. Uh, I really dug those games as well. And I'm I'm hoping that. I guess that I'm hoping for a bit more than just battlefield skinned, but I, 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 I too, really, but- I really would like to see them. I'd really like to see them. I guess just give us a, a different perspective on the Star Wars universe through things. You know, just like as an example, imagine, imagine a combination of close quarters uh, combat, fighting in the streets, kind of stuff, but in Coruscant, as opposed to Fallujah, you know uh, that that. But that that the scale of action, like we saw in some of the battlefield games, uh, and, and certainly the destructi- the destructibility of the environments could could be a really interesting thing. But I'm just imagining, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm imagining, uh, you know, a level that's really just a you know like a corridor, QC uh, or a CQB shootout. Uh, level that takes place like in cloud city or something where it 's just yeah that 's what it 's just, just corridors thinking. and the map and and trying to you know trying to take control points and and, and slowly kind of overwhelm your opponent, that kind of thing well, I was
1: just thinking what if they actually did you know so again more than just battlefield, what if they actually did? Just, just real locations from, let's say, Empire. So we're on Hoth. You okay. actually get to drive an ad at You might, I mean, we're on, maybe get to fly a snowspeeder. Yeah. Uh, you actually, uh, you know, Cloud City would be a great CQB area. Uh, Dagobah would be a really interesting place. I think, to fight, um, you know, may, and maybe, of course, like Tatooine, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- there's a lot
0: that, or, or in a ship, for example, is something. Yeah, I, I was, th- I was thinking, you know, like stuff happening. a Star happening. Destroyer. Well, you know, think, think about the, uh, think about the opening to episode four and the attack on Tana for, Uh you know, basically, you know, you got to like invade the ship, you know, that'd be like an attack and defend kind of mechanic. Well, what if you were on Alderaan the Impi- and you were running out of time before the Death Star? Yeah destroyed alderaan uh there's all kind there's all kinds of cool sort of endpoints that i could see them going with uh but in terms of gameplay mechanics um i don't have any great ideas for what they might do different i don't know that they necessarily need to do anything all that different from what they've already done in the Battlefield franchise, well, certainly all, ve-
1: vehicles and you know, I mean, things like, like I said,
0: like AT-ATs or you know, yeah. the ability to
1: ride a tauntaun. I'm not sure what what that uh, does for you tactically, but uh, it makes you uh, small
0: and difficult to shoot. Or a bantha, maybe, or at I least know. you know, from a from an at
1: perspective, uh, or or a uh, uh, you know, Luke's hovercraft. I don't know, but I, I'm super. I you guess know. we'll know a lot more in three weeks. I'm super super pumped to see it. So Death Star trench uh, right, baby. That's let's all I'm move saying. on to item three here in the. Garage Brand because this is also kind of interesting. This is a uh, uh, the articles from Polygon, but it's about it's about an interview. Actually, I initially found the article on IGN. IGN cited Polygon, and Polygon is of course citing another source, which is uh, Jeff Keeley did a one-off podcast uh, in which he interviewed um, Gabe Newell. It was a uh, podcast he did called Game Slice, and he interviewed uh, Gabe Newell, and Gabe commented on sort of Valve's game development plants and plans and the possibility of more Half-Life and sort of where the studio. Is in its life cycle, and especially particularly, uh, it, he talked about a lot of things. But the the part that the press has sort of clung onto uh, mm. is is you know what he said about the, the about Valve as a game making studio, right? Which is essentially. You're not getting Half-Life 3, really, is essentially what he said. <laughs> um, that's not what he said. Um, w- what he said was basically that that uh, they have migrated from a game development studio to a distribution service provider and now um, are working heavily in the hardware space, both with the Steam Boxes initiative, the controller, that sort of thing. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh as well as uh, Steam VR. It, Steam VR, that's exactly right. And so um he said that they are um not opposed to working on uh and I'm paraphrasing here, older IPs like Half Life, for example. Um but that they would work on them when it was appropriate and, and um well, he,
0: he kind of he, he made it sound like we would work on those IPs if there was something if there was something that we could get out of it as far as like advancing our current sort of business model right. or essentially, they're they're not a
1: game developer anymore. They're not not primarily, not first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, and so, for example, they revisited Portal Two for the VR initiative because it made sense with what they were working on. Right. Um. But they that they were they were much bigger than just a development studio. And and my sort of inference was that uh, game development was was
0: really very low on their list of things to do. Yeah. Um. They would develop games as a way of sort of showing off new technologies or, or
1: showing them off developing. or using them as using them in the process of
0: researching new technologies, right. uh,
1: that sort of thing. And so I don't know, Brent. I mean, I, I feel like, did you, I, I felt like after reading that, that I, and this is a hundred percent, my opinion, mm. and there, there's, you you can go listen to the podcast with Jeff Keeley You can read the articles um, in no, nowhere does he say this, but I got the feeling that, that it all, but, Sort of sounded the death knell for Half-Life Three. Did you did you get that sense?
0: No, honestly. I, I actually, you know what he what he actually says about it is that is that he he'd be happy if Valve worked on it, but it would basically come down to a bunch of people within the studio getting together and saying, "Okay, we got to do this game. We we are dying to do it. Here's some ideas that we want to do and." blah 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 and then it, and then proving the value of it
1: though like, yeah, the, the, but, the but value it, to the business it, be, beyond just money, I think
0: but in, in no way did in no way did he did he say look half life three is just not a priority for us he just he 's basically what I took his meaning to be was if we 're going to do half life three, we need to do it in a way that satisfies what our current goals are, and our current goals are Broader in scope than just make Half-Life Three a really good video game and then sell it. Um, so I think that I, I think that you know maybe it's just a glasses half full uh, kind of you know kind know. of kind of way of looking at it. You, you know, there, there's a glass there that's that's you know that's got some water in it and, and you can kind of look at it whatever way you like. But I I personally did not take his meaning to be. The ship has sailed. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I'm a
1: very glasses half full kind of guy in general. I just got the, I just got the impression from his words that that uh, it wasn't a priority right now. And I think that's and, fair and, to say. And you know, and I mean, he recognizes the 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 value that people place on on uh, things that they care about, that they grew up with, that that are meaningful to them. And you know, he alludes to an author uh, that he loves that has actually died since the. Since the interview, but oh, uh, Terry Pratchett? Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, he talks about how, like, yeah, it would bum me out to know I would never get another Terry Pratchett book. And so he recognizes <laughs> that. Well, and yes, unfortunately, Gra- it turns grab out. Grab a fork that he and won't. dig into a big plate of sad then. because... Yeah, right. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it was just a sense I got that this is just really far down on the list right now. Not that I would never see the light of day,
0: but that just said it was really far down on the list. Yeah. Um, I think that. I, I think I think that that's it's reasonable for you to feel that way, but at the same time, I don't. I guess I can't blame Valve for for having for having that attitude. I guess I, I think that they've proven uh, over the last decade or so that they are capable of a lot more than just being a game developer, and and, and frankly, Valve is a Valve is, is a, a powerful force within the game industry. Certainly, they're a huge driving force in the PC industry, uh, probably the biggest single company that's, that's moving and shaking things there. And I think, that, I think that all things being equal, Valve concentrating on innovating and, and pushing the industry in the direction that they would like to see it go in, is probably more important than than us getting Half-Life Three. I, I guess I kind of feel like if if I'm giving up Half-Life Three so that Valve, you know, kicks VR into high gear and and launches that salvo and and gets everybody, you know, jumping into it, then I can't really fault them for it. Or you know, that that's that's my general kind of feeling about it. I guess.
1: Yeah, nor, nor do I. I mean, I, I understood completely, sort of where where Gabe was coming from, yeah. uh, and, and frankly, I appreciate the candor.
0: Um, I, I agree. Yeah, I, and that's you know that 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 has worked both for and against Valve. Uh, as, you know, as as you and I were were kind of talking about recently, just Valve's whole sort of approach to PR and the, the kind of the way that they just sort of will say no to to certain things that can work for and against them but i i do appreciate like the refunds candid- you mean well yeah uh, def- <laughs> refunds customer support in general i think uh you know really if there was one thing if there was one thing that you were going to lay lay at their feet and say that they really really Need to improve. I think it's their customer support in general. Well, and
1: we we didn't talk about this on the show, but there was an article recently interviewing one of the senior VPs or something like that, and they we're basically
0: they were talking they, about addressing that very thing. Right,
1: they admit yeah. that they that their customer service really needs some attention.
0: Basically, they need to go and they need to hire not not the highest guy, but let's say one of his underlings over at Amazon who is in charge of customer satisfaction. They need to hire that person to come in and say, "Here's how you do it right." That's right. Uh, I don't I don't disagree with that. All right. So, let's move on. This is going to be the last story in the garage, and it's some Nintendo news, which is not something that you see a lot of on this That's show. Right. I'm trying trying to mix it up a little bit, bring in some Nintendo love. Well, there's a lot of Nintendo news to kind of talk about in the sense that very recently, Nintendo did something that I think many of us never imagined would actually happen, and that is Nintendo has ventured into uh, mobile gaming waters. They they have partnered with a company called DNA, who's already an established developer for freemium and and free-to-play games on mobile platforms, and they are going to start working with DNA to not only... Start creating games that will that will utilize Nintendo characters and properties, but also, and this is the thing that I, I think is is pretty interesting about this. They're going to be jointly developing a new membership service to encompass 3DS, Wii U, and presumably whatever these new games are. Um, on top of that, as as part of the as part of the announcement, the, the joint announcement between Nintendo and DNA. That, that this was happening and and what some of the particulars were the uh the CEO of Nintendo Satoru Iwata he wanted to i i suppose put everybody's mind at rest that Nintendo is not jumping ship and just hopping into the mobile game space but they're staying committed to dedicated hardware uh or, or de- being they're remaining committed to a dedicated hardware business model and he announced that they have a next generation hardware concept in development called n x as a code name Codename, code name code name code name n x that Nintendo is stream who who can say but uh but that that is in development and uh and Nintendo will be presumably talking more about that in the uh, in the future sometime so a lot of stuff to to kind of talk about within. The context of this story i suppose chronologically let's just start with one day you wake up and nintendo says hey guess what we're gonna basically do exactly what daniel kaiser begged us to do all those years on epic battle cry we're going to uh we're going to start releasing games on mobile platforms that utilize our characters we partnered with this company called dna to do it what do you think about that lauren
1: um, you know, uh, insofar as I don't care about Nintendo properties, uh, I think that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, don't know, I mean, I I I, th- I think it's great for for uh, fans of Nintendo. I mean, I, I think that I think it's a long been a long time coming. Uh, I, I think that I'm assuming they're going to give Daniel a percentage. I, you <laughs> know, I mean, I haven't talked to. I haven't talked to Daniel about it, but um, I think they actually set up a trust fund for hair products because is what they. <laughs> I think I think Iwata uh, was clearly uh, did this because of Daniel's yeah. um, musings, but um, no, I mean I think it's fantastic. I think that I think I, I, like I said, I think it's a long time coming. I think the property, I think I think uh, several of Nintendo's biggest properties. Uh, well, they're obviously they're meant to be on mobile platforms. They're on mobile platforms already. They're just on Nintendo's mobile platforms, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, And and so uh, and they work very very well. And so, um, you know, I I would imagine that they've been cautious about this historically because if you know, it's a fine balance between uh, what is um, proprietary and what isn't, right? So so how much do you put out, for example, on smartphones? And if you're putting out this really super compelling products, uh, I don't know. What do Nintendo DS games go for three DS games or whatever? They're probably 30 bucks. I'm guessing 30, 40. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, you know, you can't, you can't be putting out games on a regular basis on that price point on a smartphone. No. Um, even if they're, you know, even as smartphones are getting bigger and the iPhone six is six inches, the Nexus six and the galaxy note four and all that stuff, you're still not going to be charging 30, 40 bucks for these games. Right. So, um, you know, it's a fine line they walk between. If they put out a really compelling product on 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 smartphones, does it does it make people sort of not want to buy the next iteration yeah. of the 3ds? Right? Because now the property is available it. on the smartphone.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I think that it's going to be two different kinds of gaming. I mean, even the even as as casual as some of Nintendo's games are, they are. They are much more of a core experience. I'm talking about something on the so 3DS. Do you, think, do you think like
1: stuff on the smartphone is going to be like more like, say, Candy Crush, but skinned with the Nintendo characters? Um, that it will uh, be an actual Mario game or an actual Zelda game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Probably. Probably. I th- I think that it's. I think it's very likely that that initially it will probably be familiar mobile game tropes. Angry Birds, but with Mario or, revisited you know. with with Nintendo properties. I, I I think that that's probably likely. Although, uh, given given how brilliant uh, some of Nintendo's designers are with game design and mechanics, I don't want to sell them short and say that I I don't think that Nintendo can't come up with some really fascinating and original ideas for gameplay. Uh, I I just I just imagine that the reason if if they were planning to do wholly original things, I don't know that they'd necessarily need to partner with uh, a developer that's already so entrenched and identified with mobile gaming as DNA is. And and, and honestly, that's kind of the, uh, that that's maybe a sticking point because there's a lot of people that are not so fond of DNA and, and their games and, and the way they kind of do the freemium business model. So I think some people are, are going to find a point of contention over that alone. The other part of the equation is the... Not just the games part, but the the new membership service. And as I've said many times, uh Nintendo has an incredible problem understanding and utilizing online services. Uh they, they suck. Nintendo's online services suck. They are they are a decade or more behind uh everybody else. And when you see the ease at with which you can You can obtain digital content and enjoy it across multiple platforms through companies like Amazon, Apple, Sony, Microsoft, whatever. Um, There is no excuse for Nintendo to suck as much as they do. And they suck enormously in case that wasn't clear. And there's no excuse for them to in this day and age. So I have to say that the thing I'm most excited about is the idea that somebody who actually understands uh online online services is maybe going to be working with Nintendo to to do something worthwhile and get rid of the mess of shit that has been Nintendo online services up to this point.
1: Yeah, certainly that that is an interesting aspect. You know, what I what I thought was equally as interesting was this sort of casual nature in which they I mean, not not that we wouldn't think that they were working on a hardware platform, because uh, yeah. I guess we would assume that they were, but it, it just seems weird that this sort of casual nature in which they say, "Oh yeah, by the way, we are working on another another hardware platform called NX."
0: I think it's just I think it's just to qualm any fears that anybody had that Nintendo was throwing in the towel that they were saying. You know, uh, the Wii was a really big thing. 3ds is still doing great for us. Wii U, not so much. It's starting to look like we don't have any original ideas, or at least any original ideas that people are interested in anymore. So, hey, let's give up and just start doing games on iPhone and Android. I, I think. Well, to be basically clear, they, have, they that, haven't said that the NX is a is a home console well, platform. They, it could be. They, it could be did, a mobile piece they, of hardware. It could be. It could be. But the, the, they do say. They do say pretty explicitly that it's a dedicated game console. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it could potentially, it could, it could, in theory, be a, a although new it, could handheld. Be, it could be a VR. They
1: say a dedicated game platform with a brand new concept. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they're working on VR.
0: Maybe they're maybe, working on but Nintendo it could VR. also just be it could also just be marketing speak for we're doing another console. You know, it could but, be. You're right. We just we have no idea.
1: We don't. But, which is what I think is weird. Is which that they is just,
0: fine? They sort of throw it out there and, and don't. But it's, I think it's its just there so that people don't get afraid that Nintendo's still not going to be Nintendo. I, th- I think that's what they're trying to say. They're trying to say, look, everything that we've been doing as a company, we're going to keep doing. We're also doing this, though, and we're going to be even better because we're going to have all our stuff. Plus, you're going to have Mario Mario puzzle games and stuff on your phone, and and we're going to have this better unified membership service. That's actually going to work in a way that makes sense. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see if it gives them the much needed infusion that they that I feel uh,
1: that, that, that 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 they've needed since the sort of I don't the, the lackluster performance of the Wii
0: U. An infusion of not suck. Welcome to the clubhouse, everybody. Kick up your feet, pull up a chair, grab a frothy beverage of your choice. Not necessarily. In that order. But uh, the point is, we're going to sit down and talk about uh, some interesting developments uh, within the game industry over the last week or so. But before we do that, we're going to talk about some interesting developments in a little thing I like to call remembering to include a weekly poll. Congratulations, Brent. Lauren, poll results, please. (laughs) All right. Brett's poll this week was how many of you are glad that I
1: actually remembered to put a poll in? He gave you four choices. You don't know how tempted I was. Uh, The poll this week, of course, uh, last week we talked about uh, toxic behavior in forums and on the Internet and that sort of thing. And so Brent posed the question, which of these strategies do you think is effective at curbing toxic behavior? And he gave you four choices to choose from. Uh, Coming in in last place with just 2% of the vote is limiting community size. Uh, Coming in in third place with 19% of the vote is banning problem members. Uh, and then coming in in second place, close to close to first place, but uh, not quite, 37% of the vote, leadership within the community, uh, and an overwhelming, not an overwhelming, but uh, uh, 42% no. of the vote, uh, the choice was a all slight, of them, a combination a lead. of leadership yes. within the community, limiting community size, and banning problem members. Now, not as many people voted this week, Brent. I don't know if that's because they're not used to there being a poll or if it's because we actually banned half of the people. <laughs> uh, cause we didn't like what they were voting, but well, there's that. Of course, uh, No, I'm it? just kidding. It's, yeah. it's an interesting topic for sure. And we're very fortunate to have such a great community. Um, you know, we, we, we did talk quite a bit about it last week. And so, uh, at the risk of beating a dead horse, I think we will move on and talk about the very interesting topic this week that came to us from Rowan. Thank you very much. Or at least that's how it got among, to me. Among others. Among others. Uh, uh, Brent, why don't you set this up for us and tell us what we're talking about.
0: Well sure, what uh what we're talking about what she's talking about and what many of you are talking about uh is the news that Hideo Kojima is leaving Konami and been deleted from everything
1: associated with it.
0: Yes, and is no longer uh a part of the Metal Gear Solid 5 Phantom Pain video game apparently. No, not really. Uh in the in the absence of information, rumor and speculation will take hold and that is exactly what we saw happen. This past week, as news stories began to come out saying, hey, something really weird is happening over at Konami's website. This is what it looked like last week, and you see Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain, a Hideo Kojima game in large letters above the title. And then there's a new page that doesn't have the A Hideo Kojima game Part And the fact that you would go and look at the corporate lineup over at Konami and Hideo Kojima's name, some other prominent people at Kojima Productions, no longer there. And people began to say, hmm, it certainly looks like Hideo Kojima is no longer at Konami. Is that what's going on? And I think in what can only be described as a massive PR clusterfuck, uh, Konami and Kojima decided to say nothing, which is always a great idea. And basically it took days to kind of get the news that Kojima's leaving Konami after the Phantom Pain comes out later this year, he's remaining there hundred percent committed, et cetera, et cetera, until the game comes out. But then after that, it looks like they're parting ways and that Konami is going to continue with the metal gear franchise sans Kojima. That I think are the essential facts of the story right now. Lauren, would you agree with that assessment?
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly those are, those are the essential facts. The interesting, uh, as you said, it, it's very odd how this is unfolded. Obviously, and I agree, just a, a PR clusterfuck. Um, you know, it, it's uh, they have said that they are going to continue making Metal Gear Solid games. Uh, mm-hmm. Kojima has said that he wants to work on something else, um, which I think you know, which I think is interesting. There are certainly, if you go, there's a thread, and we'll link to it on um, uh, on. Um, Outlaw Gamers, that you can check out where, where a few of the folks were talking about it and they were talking about their perspective on how this impacts uh, the Metal Gear Solid franchise. Um, they, certainly the folks that are talking about it know more about the Metal Gear Solid franchise than I do uh, and have played, you know, I haven't played a lot of the portable games and that sort of thing. And, and um, yeah. you know, I think that uh, I think there's some valid points in that thread. I, I, I'm, I would, I'm very interested to see Kojima work on something else. Uh, I think is first and foremost what comes to my mind I'm not it doesn't make me in the least bit worried about the phantom pain they have made it clear that uh Kojima is a part of the phantom pain and that uh he, he will continue to be um a part of the game through till till it's finished I think their contract goes through December according to one anonymous source on GameSpot or something like that Yeah um so so I'm not too worried about this particular game um uh, you know I I, I am honestly a, more interested in what Kojima works on next than the next
0: Metal Gear Solid uh, at this point. Um, I'm, I'm just the opposite in that regard. I'm, I'm infinitely more interested in seeing somebody else work on the Metal Gear franchise oh, interesting. Than, than Kojima at this
1: point. Do you think Kojima has, has of late been a hindrance to that franchise? Um, or are you just, are you just in- interested to see what someone else's take is?
0: Yeah, more of that. I mean, I, I don't think that he's I don't think he's done anything wrong per se, uh, in, in the Metal Gear franchise. I really like the direction the Phantom Pain was going, vis vis being an open world stealth action game. That is very appealing to me. But I what I have connected with in the Metal Gear games has always been the gameplay and the game mechanics and the the richness of the gameplay experience over the actual storytelling. And and in many cases, uh, characters that that uh, I was uh, interacting with, I, I have never been as enamored of what he wanted to say as a storyteller as I was the gameplay opportunity his, his uh, or the Metal Gear games afforded me. Uh, so I, I guess that as the Metal Gear s- series has gone on through all these various iterations uh my my interest in it has sort of been in spite of itself in in a, in a way and i'm very very interested in the idea of a fresh blood coming in and saying okay we have some really great established gameplay mechanics and and some ideas and things and and we've got a, you know this this rich mythos that we can draw on what kind of story would we want to tell what kind of what kind of game would we want to would we want to create and I think it'd be very interesting to see somebody come in and and maybe put a, a fresh spin on that uh, on that series. And I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't wish any any ill on uh, on Kojima or whatever. I hope he he goes and makes some game that he's really really excited about and passionate about, and it kicks major ass and all that. Um, but I'm just not, I just don't think that I connect as much with his sensibilities, so it makes me somewhat. Hesitant to get excited about whatever he might be doing next, you know that 's interesting
1: because i actually I feel exactly the same way you do about my relationship to the game, uh, but yep. I, but I, my thinking was that by moving on he 's sort of freeing himself from what I feel like maybe this franchise has sort of imposed on him from a storytelling standpoint uh, and, like I'm a bit of an anchor maybe well and that may, yeah, and maybe you know i I agree with you i mean i I love I, I, I like his sensibilities. I've struggled with the story, uh, mostly because it was so convoluted, and therefore the characters, mostly because it was so convoluted that I really struggled to understand understand really what was going on and therefore Mm. have any kind of significant buy-in to the story. But I also didn't join the franchise until Metal Gear Solid 4, really. I mean, I've played some of the other games. but um, And so what I was thinking was that but I like his aesthetic. I like his sensibilities. I like the little bits of humor in the game. Uh, I, I like the way that I like the pacing of the game very much. I love his attention to detail and, and, um, uh, Certainly. and I like All his true. sensibilities in terms of the grand, sort of grandiose nature of his game design. There's nothing else like it in video gaming, there's just nothing else like it. And, and I'm fine sitting in front of a 30 minute freaking cutscene. In Metal Gear Solid, for whatever reason, uh, and I so, don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far. So, but uh, so up, even, up until then, I was pretty much e- even without the buy into of the story. So my thinking yeah. was that perhaps, uh, well, two things: one, uh, perhaps uh, moving on to a different franchise or a different IP would give him the freedom to sort of uh, explore different storytelling lines, uh, and two, uh, it would give me the freedom to sort of start over with whatever his new. Endeavor is right. Whereas I came yeah. in halfway or more through during the last iterations of what he was creating, I could sort of begin the journey with him. And so I don't know. I'm just really. I mean, clearly, he, he is he is in the uh, designing elite uh, in in our industry in the history of our industry yeah. in the last twenty, thirty, forty years. And 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 really, I think so. I, I, don't, I, think I can't think a, he's of he's a, a true he's a true auteur. I, I agree. I can't think of any. That's the exact word I was thinking of. I can't think of anybody else like him. And so. I would like to see what he does with something that's not this franchise he 's been working on for twenty five years
0: yeah it would it would certainly be it would certainly be interesting it would be a, hopefully hopefully it won't be it won't be a george lucas red tails you know kind well, of, like like what's george lucas fi- like finally going to do when he 's no longer making star wars films you're like ooh that wasn't so good grand canyon but i i hope that i hope it's not that but um i i, I do i do share I don't know if enthusiasm is the right word, but certainly I I have great curiosity for what he would go on to do. And I think that, uh, I think that whatever it is, he'll certainly have a a large base uh, of fans following with him. Something I was just thinking about, it's kind of interesting going back to the original metal gear, which I played on the Nintendo entertainment system is, I think most people uh, listening to this show probably did and looking at how far he was trying to push the medium, the kinds of storytelling he was trying to do even then, and, and you, looking back, you can almost see, you can almost feel how confined he was by the technology that existed then and how his vision was just waiting for the consoles to, to kind of catch up with him. And when they finally got within reach of of his artistic vision i think with the original metal gear on the playstation uh you, you saw you know what a profound moment in gaming it was i mean that game for daniel and tony and i and i think for for many other people of of that generation uh that game was it, it was a it was a life-changing moment uh as far as being a gamer goes i, I mean i've told the story i mean I, I came this close to losing my job Uh, at the time over that game, because that game meant more to me than, than the job I had at the time. And um, I, I will always, uh, I will always be appreciative to Kojima for giving me such a profound uh, gaming experience and really opening my eyes to what the medium could be.
1: Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been a powerful presence for, you know, whatever it is. 20, I think I just looked it up. I think it was 1987 Okay. Uh, that, okay, so tw- that is 25 years. I was just saying stuff, but or something right. more like that. <laughs> I, I shit was just making, I just throwing off. out numbers, but uh, I knew it was something like that. Uh, it's actually more like 26 or 27 years, but that's man. We should get, we should so go into politics because you know. <laughs> um, yeah, man. It's, I, and, and I agree with you. You know, honestly, I hadn't thought of it. Uh, my, my initial reaction is, is this guy's an auteur. Uh, uh, I cannot wait to see what he does. Next, You know what I mean? And I hadn't really given no. thought to what you brought up, which is uh, the idea of seeing what somebody else does with uh, Metal Gear Solid, although my, my, my inclination is that they will sort of just expand a little bit upon what's already there, right? I, I, I'd be surprised if we saw a dramatic reinterpretation of the series in Metal Gear Solid 6, but, but it will be interesting to see for sure. Agreed. And it's always a big deal when somebody of this stature uh you know leaves their company. It's it you know what the first thing I thought of was Brent was actually um Ken Levine leaving Irrational. Is kind of what this yeah. made, and shutting actually closing the doors of Irrational. That's right. sort of that, that's it's that's what it made me think of.
0: It's interesting and, and you know this is something that that Rowan talked about in in the forum thread about this over at uh, outlawgamers.com but she was talking about how There seems to be kind of a a corporate climate within some of the Japanese, uh, you know, publishers slash, uh, I guess, developers about uh, just the the way they, I don't know, just the way that they kind of conduct things. But there's been a lot of this, you know, kind of bleeding of top tier content from, you know, from these publishers that have had long standing relationships with these major dev talents. You know, people like, you know, Kenji Inafuni. Uh, over at Capcom, uh, you know, Squares lost people, uh, and obviously, you know, now uh, Konami and Kojima. Um, it's just, uh, it's just really, really fascinating to to kind of watch all of this all of this upheaval within the game industry, and I think in in much the same way that other prominent developers have have left big studios to kind of strike out on their own and to do things uh their own way. I'm I'm really curious not necessarily what Kune, uh, Kojima does next but how he does it next. Does he does he go the mighty number no. 9 route as an example and does he go to Kickstarter and say, "Okay, here's the game I've been trying to make for 20 years but Konami would never really let me. This is the vision I have. Will you support me?" in making it happen to you know does does he just turn kojima productions into uh, you know its own indie house or you know like that i'm really curious about that aspect of it too from a business standpoint what does he do now uh that that we are in in this this really interesting time in in the gaming industry with so much as possible
1: yes i mean it's, it, it's an interesting th- uh, topic you know certainly uh certainly he could do that he like you said i mean if anybody, if anybody could, he could
0: go to Kickstarter and raise whatever money he needed. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, he could. We could. Like, he could be. Everybody's like, oh, there'll never be another Star Citizen. It's just, it's just this virgins. It's totally. Totally unique, and, and nobody's ever gonna do that thing again. You know, they're gonna end up raising a hundred million dollars by the time that game comes out. Nobody else could could probably pull that off. Kojima probably could. Yeah, you're right. He probably could. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to, to see what he's gonna do, uh,
1: and where he's gonna find yet another actor with a crazy scratchy voice. It's not it's not like
0: he's not looking for work. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to hit the road and uh, talk about some of the games we got our hands on this past week. Lauren alluded earlier to uh, the fact that we were going to get a big surprise when we got down to this section of the show. I don't know about a big surprise, but a surprise nonetheless. Okay, it might have been a big surprise, but you made it sound like it was a big surprise, which is obviously a very different thing. But anyway, why don't you tell us what you've been playing? Uh, So I actually went out and bought The Order 1886. Okay, now see, I'm not surprised that you're playing The Order 1886, but I am surprised you paid for it. Well, it
1: went on sale. So here was my thinking, bro Oh, now it all makes sense. Here was my thinking. So the game went on sale this weekend uh, for 39.99 dollars uh, yeah. at, uh, I think it was Best Buy. And, yeah. and, and my, I was looking at it and I was thinking about it. My theory was remembering that I was back in the United States and that I could actually buy a physical copy of it. <laughs> <laughs> for a relatively reasonable price, I so it was more just sort of a novelty for you. No, 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 no. It was my my thinking was, uh, well, I can just turn around and sell it in two weeks for you know, even if it's twenty bucks, Very uh, which the game is going for like thirty, thirty five right now on eBay. So, if I could sell it for even twenty bucks, uh, I will have paid twenty bucks for the game, uh, yeah. and I'm willing. I was willing to to I'm willing to pay twenty dollars to check it out. Okay. Um, so I did, and I've started playing it. I'm probably, I think I'm in the fourth chapter, maybe the fifth out of 16. Um, mm-hmm. So 25 or so percent of the way through. Um, and it's an interesting game. This this could go down as the year's most, um, I don't want to say disappointing, but the game. Confusing? No, nah, the game that, that, I, that like... Uh, uh, the, the, the The most misspent potential really so uh. so the game i 'm not far enough in the game to really really talk about it uh, tremendously, but uh, the game is beautiful first of all it 's absolutely gorgeous uh, yeah, that's the, apparent. The, the The aesthetic of the game is fantastic, the voice acting is fantastic everything you 've heard um, the gameplay is good it 's solid gameplay there 's some there 's a few things. Like, minor tweaks that could have been handled a lot better, like uh, the running mechanic could use some help. Um, th- there's this thing where, I don't know why they did this, but some, these little design decisions, like, they force you when you pick up a weapon, for example, to look at it. You rotate the left stick, and it rotates the gun to look at it, and they force you to do it. And every time that a uh, situation arises, they give you the hint for it. But I can't turn off the hints, because then I wouldn't know how to, for example, pick a lock. Um, right. The first time I come across it, I'm still too early in the game
0: to turn off the hints, and it's they just they really want you to understand that this is a good looking game. Well,
1: and, and to be honest, to there's that. tons of places in this game where they really do like it. Feels like they're tailoring tailoring the action to, to trying to get you to understand how beautiful the game is, which is like you can right. feel that in the game, and it's a little annoying. But um, the biggest problem with the game, as as I see it right now, so my my feeling is. And and we'll see when I'm done. But if, if I were to, if the rest of the game were to be like the game is now, I would say yes. that it, it's 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 a worthy experience of twenty bucks or you know whatever twenty five bucks. It's uh it, it's not as like horrible as everyone says so far. Although I can a hundred percent see if you'd paid sixty bucks for it or or if you were just in a, having a bad day or a couple days. How you could get really pissed off at the game, and the the, the fundamental issue with the game uh, all comes down to pacing. Brent, right? really, I mean, it's not the like the the, the third person shooter gameplay is pretty decent. The weapons are cool. The the you know they're just it's insane how frequently they take away control uh, from you. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Um, they're trying to create this cinematic experience in the truest sense. Uh, the game is is letterboxed. Uh, which I'm totally okay with. I think that's a, a very valid design choice. I liked it in The Evil Within. I don't mind it here. I don't have a problem with it. Um, they're okay. trying to create an experience that 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 is moving more towards a, a movie experience, and I'm okay with that too. But in doing so, their solution to that problem... Uh, Uncharted did the same thing. Uncharted did the exact same thing. They wanted a very cinematic experience and and nobody had a problem with that. And I have no problem with that either. The problem comes in is that their solution to that is to try and create more cinematic looking scenes, uh, by, and and they, it it seems like they feel the only way they can truly do that is to take control from you. Mm. So they literally take control from you, um, Every i mean f- there 's frequently in the game it 's every fifteen to thirty seconds like y- you'll you 'll walk for fifteen or thirty seconds and then they will take control for thirty or thirty to forty five seconds and then you 'll walk for fifteen to twenty or thirty seconds and then they 'll take control for a minute and that
0: then, seems annoying
1: it 's really odd it 's very odd um, and and what it does is it 's not even that they take control that I have a problem with except insofar as how much that breaks up the the feeling of moving forward through the game
0: um, it, it, it it makes the pacing yeah. instead of flowing like it 's just constantly starting starting and stopping starting and stopping
1: yeah instead of instead of having a flowing melody it 's this staccato thing that 's just super uh, awkward and weird and it just feels jerky and twitchy and even to the point of you may, you, I'm sure you, of course, you remember in the Uncharted games how you'd be watching a cutscene, and the cutscenes into gameplay were seamless mm-hmm. uh, to the point that even you know it, throughout the game in Uncharted Two and in Uncharted Three, after having played tons of hours in the game, it was still an astonishing effect. How all of a sudden it would just be like, oh, wait a minute, that's the end of the cutscene! Holy moly! I'm playing. Well, right. And they do the same thing in this game, which I love, in that there's no HUD and it's a seamless transition, only there's that moment. There's that that moment where you can see like, oh, it just released my character. Do you know what I mean? Like that twitch, yeah. that little twitch where where you go, Okay, so this that's where the cinematic stopped and now I have my character. So they were trying to do what Uncharted did, but they were but they're not doing it successfully. There's gotcha. it's, it's not seamless in that way. Um so it, it's very odd. Uh, and so I, I will have more to talk about it, but it, it is a good game. Uh, it, it is not the, the, the horrible, you know, monstrosity of a video game, but it is there. – there is this one aspect to it, how I could see if you were sort of not in the mo- – the, the, the atmosphere draws me in so much that when I play it, I find I play it for – suddenly I'm playing for 90 minutes and I don't want to stop when I turn it off but i could mm-hmm. see how if you weren't in the mood or i mean if if it just hit you the wrong way the constant resting of control out of your hands um i could see how that could make somebody say this game is a 4 out of 10 cuz this is absolutely ludicrous design decision and, and and how any game designer in their right mind would choose to do this is beyond me i, I could see how somebody might say that about this like constantly taking control away from you, you could have they could have accomplished the exact same thing by um by by having, you know, 30 to 60 second cutscenes or, or 60 seconds to one minute, two minute cutscenes every seven or eight or 10 minutes instead of like literally 30 seconds on, 60 seconds off, 30 seconds on, 60 seconds off. And, you know, they'll and frequently they'll take control of, of your avatar for three or four or five seconds. Like you'll be walking and then you'll open a door and then they take control for five seconds and then you get it back. Or it's just it's very odd in that regard
0: interesting yeah, it, I, um, yeah it's it's i mean frankly it sounds frustrating I mean just listening to it sounds frustrating it's not yeah it's not it's not
1: frustrating me there's there's so much going on atmospherically um and it's so good graphically and the voice acting is so good um the characters are so interesting that the the uh the game is better than the sum of its parts um but but i could i could a hundred percent see someone put the disc in their their uh, you know i could see one person put it in and say this game's a this game is you know not that bad it's super got all these great things to it i could and, and then ha- and then i could hand it to you and i could see you go home and, and be like infuriated to the point of throwing something against the wall <laughs> what the fuck right yeah i absolutely yeah. could it's it's a very interesting game and so but i feel like i need you know it, it, there's so many of these hints at this point that i feel like i'm you know an hour and a half in i'm still getting tutorial type stuff and so uh you know I I I I I will wait to really give my full assessment until I can get some more time in the game this week.
0: Okay. Yep. Fair enough I yep. suppose. For my own part, uh I decided well I mean I've been playing a little bit of mobile stuff. I've been playing uh, Star Wars Commander on the iPad. Uh I started a new game of FTL on the iPad. That kicks major ass. As you can well imagine. Yep. But uh, the main thing I've been playing is Shadow of Mordor. Of course, I was you know I was, I, I was talking last week about XCOM and that I was starting you know, a new game in XCOM Enemy Within and I I went to play it and I sat down and I couldn't bring myself to do it. I kept thinking you know you've got Shadow of Mordor hanging over your head for months now. Uh, you really really ought to finish that game before you start anything else. And so. I decided to go back to it and and i couldn't I couldn't exactly articulate why I was hesitant to do so, why I felt so i don't know just so kind of spent with that game, and you know it's something that you and I had talked about that kind of phenomena of you have it's not just how long the game lasts, but it's sort of how long your interest level in the game lasts right. and you hope that those two coincide relatively closely. You hope that if you're going to play a game that's going to require 30 hours of your time, you hope that it maintains your interest for the 30 hours. And I guess I kind of felt, because I was playing piecemeal and I was really getting kind of bogged down and just doing side quests and stuff with Shadow of Mordor, um, I kind of burned through eight, nine hours playing it and didn't really accomplish all that much in terms of advancing the story. And (laughs) consequently, I kind of reached a point where I was like, well, I've invested the eight or nine hours of interest that I was going to have in this game. I just didn't do it finishing the game. And so maybe that's it. Maybe that's all that I'm going to have with it. But um, because, frankly, I was getting bored with it. I I was at a point where I kind of felt like it was just getting really repetitive and I wasn't really doing anything new. And I was starting to just not care all that much. So I thought, you know, I'll go and I'll invest a couple of good solid hours in this and see if I can maybe push through this. And I'm really glad I did because, as it turns out, I was literally I was literally right at the beginning of this section of the game where the mechanics open up yet again. The second section? And, like the second map area? Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, correct. Yeah. It's, uh, w- where the mechanics open up again and you get to start doing some really cool stuff. Namely... You get to start building branding. your own army. <laughs> yes. That's right through the branding technique. Which and I love. So it. it it's completely changed the game. I mean, it's a completely yes. different game now that that I have that, and I'm re- So I'm glad that I I'm glad that I didn't just let it sit uh, for lack of interest because it's gotten really interesting all over again. So I've completed the first kind of tutorial leg that of that process where it's like, okay, you can brand it. You can brand orcs at the individual level. You can help them along so that they can become captains, bodyguards of war chiefs, and then you can help them become actual war chiefs. And it, it's treading on a lot of familiar ground. You've you've gone through the process of of hunting down and taking out commanders and captains and war chiefs, but now you're doing it in concert with your own kind of orc army of of uric Uruk, of Uruks that you have uh, that you've branded and uh, and basically forced to uh, to serve your cause. It's wicked cool. I mean, it's wicked cool. And knowing that this game won uh, at G, you know, this game won like title of the year from GDC. It's really not no, no surprise why. I mean, the innovation in gameplay mechanic that we've seen in Shadow of Mordor, the, the way that they have taken what could have been a very forgettable adventure title, but really turned it into, I, I think, a landmark kind of case study on just just thinking outside the box a little bit and, and, and doing something really, really innovative. I I totally get all the accolades and everything that this game has got. And I have to say that even though I knew in concept that this was going to be coming and that you were going to be doing this, the experience of understanding that rationally and experiencing it viscerally and emotionally uh they they, they don't they don't relate to one another at all you can 't really understand how cool that is until you do it and now that i've done it, I get it and i 'm going to do more of it because I like it <laughs> uh, Brent essentially just lost his virginity
1: adams team ow uh, anyway, yeah how far into that second
0: like how many hours have you played since? Roughly ballpark. Uh, probably two i i', I yeah, just yeah. like I literally just finished the like the the first kind of leg where you help i yeah, whatever the guy 's name is you 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 help move him from a small time commander to a captain to a bodyguard to a war chief himself that first leg where they 're basically kind of holding your hand and walking you through each part of it, so you understand it i 've just finished that, so I now have one of the five war chiefs branded in my camp, I'm now going to go after the other four.
1: It's I, I, I had so much fun playing that game. I really, really did. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm so glad you went back and played more of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you still, you still have more ahead of you. It's just, it's a, it's such a good time. I, I agree with you. can't wait. It's so brilliant of them to like say, okay, we're going to like, it really, I really felt like I was just beginning to kind of tire a little bit of the game. Yeah. When I was like, "Oh wait, look, there's a whole new map." Uh and it and all these new mechanics and it reinvigorated it for me. It was really totally my experience it was really well done and something that other game designers could look to uh when designing their game. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was absolutely
0: brilliant. I agree with you. I hope that they do. Think about okay, as much as, as much as this game owes its combat to the Arkham Knight franchise. As an example, think about this this mechanic folding its way back into the Arkham Knight franchise where you've got a criminal underworld you know kind of mechanic where you've got like the major players that we all know and love people like joker, two-face, penguin, etc. Batman's rogues gallery but underneath them you have you have Captains, you have bodyguards, you have street level guys, and some some version of the Nemesis system works its way into a future Batman game. As opposed to branding guys, you turn them into informants for you. You you, you get them working for you, delivering information about what other people are doing, so that you can foil their plans. I mean, on and on. I mean, just think about how some of these mechanics could could work their way back into the Arkham games, which has obviously been an influence here. The, the the possibilities of of this kind of thinking and game design going other places is really exciting. It is extremely exciting, and
1: uh, yeah, I'll be curious. As a matter of fact, you and I will be talking a little bit about some Batman stuff next week on Outlaw Gamer Radio. But for this week, Brent, I think we're going to call it a show. And as always. Indeed. We want to hear what our listeners think about everything we talked about, so please sound off, uh, whether it's Shadow of Mordor or The Order 1886, Kojima leaving Konami, Nintendo's announcement of their next-generation hardware and software package, Gabe Newell talking about Valve's game development, Star Wars Battlefront, or God of War 3, we want to hear everything that you guys think about what we talked about and anything game-related. As usual, he is Brent Adams. I am Lauren Baumgarten. And remember, you don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing.